stress, Angelique. Stress. Did you know that a Harris poll recently, ladies and gentlemen, said that one in three Americans said that sometimes they are so stressed out that they struggle to make even basic decisions as on what to wear and what to eat. <laughs> I mean, it's not funny, right? But we, you laugh because... I feel because like that's every day right now. I, exactly. <laughs> the survey also found that nearly two-thirds of Americans agreed that uncertainty about what the next few months will be like causes them even more stress. But we're not here to talk about what we're stressed about. We're here to give you solutions. Stay tuned to the Turned On Podcast as we tackle stress. Hello and welcome to the Turned On Podcast. I'm Angelique Nori and my husband David and I have made it our mission to break the darkness by flipping the switch on the four most important areas of your life in health, relationships, business, and in faith. And sometimes the light in the world and in your life can go dim, either from the intrusion of technology or simply because society is so driven by instant gratification. It's our mission to help people see that we're hardwired for connection and that the best things in life come when we turn on the light to see with new eyes the opportunity that exists just a flip away. So if you're ready to stir your spirit, open your eyes, and profit in all areas of your life, then let's get turned on. Here we go. All right. Well, if we're talking a lot about stress lately, or if it seems that we are, there's a good reason for that. It's because the world is a stressful place right now. So we would be uh, not serving you well if we didn't address it. And we certainly don't want to complain about it, but we do want to identify it. And particularly today, we want to identify some things that I think will help you out tremendously. You know, Angelique, as we start this conversation, I was looking back at some of the videos of uh, 2019, 2020, and 21, you know, as we look back through our, either our Facebook memories or whatnot. And, you know, we persevered. We did a lot of little things along the way to, can I use the word just survive? Mm -hmm. Right. We did a lot of little things looking back because we have to realize that those are the little things that are going to get us through the next little things. In other words, what did you do to get you to this point? You're here, you're alive, you're listening to this um, you're breathing, you're listening. What did you do over the last couple of years to get you to this point? Because we're going to have to use that again. We're going to have to, if you haven't found the joy yet, we're going to have to find it. We're going to have to do it. And there's a certain way to do it, but certainly it's a journey. And if, if we discuss this right now, if we discuss this changing world and what's going on, how would you describe the amount of stress that you've seen both personally and through your interactions with friends and family. How would I describe it? Well, I think it's biblical. I mean, if you're going to ask me to describe it, it's biblical. It's and and you know, truly like we can look at all kinds of things throughout time and through history or even our own personal lives and we each are going to have unique circumstances that bring stress. Like I brought, you know, the stress of losing my parents, the stress of moves, the stress of having children, the stress of change, the stress of, you know, career um, shifts, whatever it might be. But the stress that the last couple of years have brought on uh, is a biblical proportions. It's, it's worldwide stress. It's not 
unique to my family versus yours. You know, how we, how we respond to it, uh, obviously is, is individualized, but as a whole, we're all experiencing what I would consider biblical proportions of stress. And it's no wonder, you know, that so many people are, are suffering through it, but that's where we have a choice. Well, we say we're suffering through it, and this is true. Look, if you're listening right now, you know, misery loves company. Mm-hmm. You know, when we run calls, we say, hey, we can get on here and complain, and we'll have more um, more kind of participation than if we got on there and said, let's talk about what's positive. That's just kind of human nature. Mm-hmm. You know that, and I know that. If we have a call, and we say, let's all air some grievances, man, um, or we want to, you know, have a pity party, it happens, and we don't want to ignore that, but, oh, God, we, we have to look for solutions. Um, we have to look for ways out, little things we could do, and not, not quotes, not, you know, feel-good things, not just, hey, it's going to be okay. We need real solutions. So I'm going to use uh, an article I found in Forbes, Seven Skills You Will Need to Survive and Thrive in This Changing World. Now, this was just pre-pandemic, but I, I feel when I came upon this, I'm like, mm, these are some good things. Seven skills you will need. So I, I like it because it gives us practical, real knowledge, stuff that we can apply. And so as we go over this, Angelique doesn't know what they are. I've looked them over. But I want to remind you that each day, and let's face it, oh, man, how many, how many times have you went to bed with a great attitude and you woke up and really quick it went sour or vice versa? You went to bed with a sour attitude and you woke up and, and something, you know, made it better. In other words, we have to be in charge of our emotions. We have to look and see what's going on. And when you have kids, when you have, you know, you, Angelique, we're dealing with her grandmother right now. We're dealing with a house that's being built. Build that house, guys. Build the freaking house. We've been homeless now for a long time. And we're, how many Airbnbs is this? Uh, we're going into our, well, since December, nine, but... And ultimately, it's been, I mean, in the last 14 months, counting hotels, probably 14 or 15. So this isn't on the list, but I'm going to ask you first. We have seven things coming up, but where do you rank second-guessing right now? Because I think a lot what of second-guessing. Well, we've been at that place where, should we even have moved? Should right. we have done oh, this? The second-guessing. I'm second guessing. right now, as, literally as we're sitting on this podcast. I'm doing it right now. What are some of the emotions that we've been through? What would you rank first? I know what mine is. What do you think mine is? What's my number one emotion recently? Frustration. Yeah. Anger. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Because we want to be in control. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think we all understand when things go sour. We all understand that we're going to have hard times, but what frustrates us is when we don't have control over that or we feel out of control. Mm-hmm. As human beings, I think it's our human nature and our desire to be in control. Right. Okay, so... We're in control of how we respond. We're not in control of everything that goes on around us. We are in control. You know, There's our, certain things we're giving. God's not micromanaging. Okay. And, and we're not even into the seven yet, but I just thought of something. Last night, I was right there where you just described me, anger. I was angry at the builders. I was angry at, you know, the people that sold us the house. There was so much anger. Um, there was anger for some other things. We all get angry. And I started to think, well, why do you get out of this? You know, like... How can I get out of this? And our pastor said something. He said, you know, forgiveness is one of the first keys. And it it sounds like an easy way out, and it sounds like nothing happens. 
But it really was. And I started to be there in my bed, and I'm, I can't sleep, and all you guys were asleep, and I was just tossing and turning. And I started to think to myself, I said, you know what? I can keep getting angry. But if, I'm, if I continue in this anger, I'm, I'm not going to be able to fall asleep. My heart rate's going to stay high. Um, I'll wake up angry, and nothing gets done. And sometimes the hardest time to get out of anger and to get into forgiveness is, is when it's, you know, it's a strong emotion. But I started to think about myself, what can I do to forgive these people? Even though the problem's not resolved yet, like just take it off and, you know, start to even say to Jesus right there, hey, Jesus, you know, I just forgive me first. And then, you know, I forgive these people for what they're doing, whether it's, you know, intentional or unintentional. Um, And that could be someone in your business that's, you know, giving you a hard time right now. That could certainly be somebody uh, in, in political arena, you know, think about family, your, your biggest political Oh, gosh, right now you're thinking of somebody right now. If I say politics, and I say think of the person who you would like out of politics, (laughs) imagine forgiving that person or just saying, God, let me try to forgive them, and and I give them forgiveness. And then there's people in your family. Um, Even when it's not someone like your your grandma, right, having some hard times with their health, and, of course, it's by no fault of her own, and so you get angry because you get frustrated, and then you say, well, I just want to forgive that because I don't want to— I don't want to put it on God that he's doing this. I don't want to put it on myself or, or anybody in the family that it's their fault. It just, it just happens. So we want, to, we want to use forgiveness as a way. Now, the, that's a little bit, but here's the seven things that I'm going to get to. I'm going to get to one at a time. We're going to go over them really quick. We're not going to spend a lot of time. This is going to be a very quick podcast. I'm going to tell you what they are. Angelique doesn't know what they are. And then we're just going to briefly discuss them and move on. Okay. You ready for this? Once again, this is the seven skills that you will need to survive and thrive in this crazy changing world as given uh, to us by Forbes magazine. Okay, the first one, are you ready for this? You're going to think I wrote this because, (laughs) but I didn't. It's number one. It's learn how to write and speak well. (laughs) Learn how to write and and also learn how to code. I mean, I I, I would be, I got to say that code is something we don't know how to do. So learn how to code, write, and speak well. These are things, these are skills. It says it's predicted that many jobs will require these skills. The ability to write well, the ability to speak intelligently, the ability to communicate clearly and efficiently with people is a prized ability for major corporations and in business. These skills will greatly enhance your life. So our pastor just spoke about the ability to speak well and listen well in a marriage, mm-hmm. and with your children. But now we talk about business. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you 60 seconds on learning how to speak well and write well. Um, well, I, I believe that oneness should be the goal. So when I think about writing or speaking well, specifically when it comes to family, especially when it comes you know, to you and me or the kids, the goal needs to be oneness and that oneness has to be in for our family in Christ. So if we're not all pursuing that same oneness, then we're all going to be at odds. And so the same thing goes in business. We can't assume that everyone's going to be pursuing oneness, you know, especially in Christ in the business world. But if we can all say like, what is our common goal here? We should be able to speak effectively. And right now we're, we're struggling with our builder because for whatever reason, there's a huge breakdown in communication, huge. And I keep looking back to everything that we've said and shared, and I'm like, I feel like we have been really graceful and incredibly patient. Where's the breakdown? So it just goes to show you that no matter how patient and graceful um, you are, 
there's, if we're not pursuing this from all sides, then you're going to have conflict. And that's why some things like you just can't resolve on your own. You just can't. It has to be a, the goal of oneness. Okay. You got to have oneness. Um, and we got to learn how to think efficiently. And sometimes that is, that is sounds, it sounds easy, but it's not because what you think of comes out of your mouth. And sometimes it's vice versa. We put our foot in our mouth. We say things, and our pastor said this. He said, sometimes it's not the way, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And he made a perfect example. He said he was coming home, and you know his wife had been there, and they have three kids. And he said, immediately when he walked in, he started to pick up some of the things on the floor. And then he started to do the dishes, figuring he would help his wife out. And he did all this, and his, and his wife looked at him, and she says, you know, I, I, I just need more help from you. And immediately he got defensive. He's like, I walked in and I started doing this thing, trying to help you. And she's like, that's not, she goes, I need you to ask me what I need rather than just start doing things. And I immediately said, that's exactly what you've said to me before. Right. Sometimes we think we're helping and we're doing the right thing. Right. And we get offended because what you said isn't what you intended. Right. Right. He said, you know, immediately I'll get defensive. Hey, I'm trying to help you out. And then we start to throw arrows at each other Mm -hmm. when we should say, how can I help you? Right. Because that's that would that would be oneness. Like we're we're looking towards a a goal together. And that's a male female thing, too, though. Well, because but what was the ultimate? It sounds to me the ultimate bottom line here is there was a failure to communicate. Right. It was an assumption. Men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. We know that it was an assumption. You know, it talks about that in the Bible, by the way. Well, well, that's what we're here for. We're talking. We're talking about Bible stuff. We're talking about how to make lives better. Okay, so look, there's a lot of places you can take that. Again, we just want to put it out there. Whatever that may be in your realm right now, whether it's at work, whether it's with your family, whether it's pol- political. Um, remember that. Think clearly. Speak clearly. Write clearly. You know, we get so much lost in translation these days. If especially even with our house, right? We're, we're writing things and we don't have the context and we can't figure that out in an email. We don't know how the person said that. And it's very easy to take something and put an exclamation point on it rather than put a question mark on it because they hear it a different way. So someone might say, I'm taking that the wrong way when they didn't mean it that way. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Think about how we're communicating, okay? That's one thing. The, the third part, uh, the second part is we're going right into the politics here. Tune out the politics and noise. I can't even talk about this because I haven't learned how to do this yet. So I'm going to let Angelique take this right away. Oh, my gosh. Let me see. I just was reading a scripture earlier. Let me see if I can find it. Um, okay. For First Timothy 3, verse 5. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? <sighs> That to me has everything to do with what we're dealing with. But like I, there's, I can literally, I, I, I have my opi- opinions about what's going on in politics. I have my frustrations about what's going on in politics, but there's only so much that I personally can do. So what it comes down to is going back to the divine order. If I cannot care for my own household in the way that God has asked me to steward it within the order of his design, then I would be completely remiss in trying to go after an assignment that does not, it's not mine. Okay. I wasn't assigned to politics. 
David has a heart for politics, but I don't feel it's his necessarily his assignment. Okay, now that's for me to say from the outside, but that does not mean that he doesn't believe that in his heart. However, if it was his assignment, I think he would have been in the cabinet by now. So what are you talking about? Well, no, no, no. Do you believe, okay, going back to Tampa when you were, okay, do you believe, how, how well do you think our life would have panned out? If, I don't know. No, I think you know. When Angelique and I, let's give some backstory. When Angelique and I first got together, we were we married yet or were we just, we were just no, engaged? we were married. We were married? Yeah, we had Ella. And, and I was involved in a, in a certain political party, which you might be able to guess, and I was, I was just about to get the next position, the the senior gentleman in this political party was getting ready to retire and he was grooming me to take his position. And I came home pumped and I said, babe, this is going to be awesome. And what did you say? Absolutely not. Why? Because it's corrupt. First of all, there's, let me ask you this question. I don't care. It's two wings of the same bird. I don't care what side you're on. The whole thing is corrupt. It is, it is the counterfeit kingdom of power um, it is never, ever, ever going to ever mimic God's kingdom. So it's always going to be corrupt by the enemy. So don't get mixed up in it. Okay. Two, we're going back to the scripture from 1 Timothy 3, verse 5, just now it talks about of caring for your own household. Let me ask you this question. Moving on to that guy's position, would it have been a paid position? Yeah. It would have? Mm-hmm. By how much? Well, I mean, I don't, that was 10 years ago. Okay. Would it have been something like worthwhile pursuing and caring yes. for your household? I don't know. <laughs> Do politicians make a lot of money? I, I that man did not make money. Do politicians make? He was sixty. He got in late. All right, we're we're getting my, off my on a point, tangent here. But my point is, is back to that scripture and back to what you're saying in terms of politics. Like, unless you literally can control what is going yeah. on and your and your house is out of control. We had just had a baby. Okay. We weren't on our feet yet. Like, there was a lot My of things. My point is, I want to fix the world. And, and right. maybe that's not the way I do it. But at the, at the time, I thought it was. This is something that's been on my heart. And, and so here's the thing. We're getting way off track. But tuning out of politics and noise, you can tune out. But the thing is, when people tune out so much, then that's how we get to a spot where, like, how did this happen? Right. Well, That's obviously. the scary part. Because... Part of these things say, tune out, don't pay attention to it. I agree, it can eat you up. But the part of it, if you tune out, there's people who aren't tuning out, and those are the ones that are going to make the decisions. And when you come around, like the frog in the, in the, in the boiling water, when you come around to the day where we say, hey, I, I better start paying attention because this is affecting my daily life. Oh, guess what? It's too late. Okay, can I say something really quick about that? Really quick. All right. So we're talking about politics. We're talking about what's going on in the world at a global scale, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So when it talks about of caring for your household, it, like it, mentioned in first Timothy, what are the things that we have done in the last couple of years that may not seem like a direct, uh, directly correlated to politics, but it is right. Homeschooling. Yeah. Okay. Trying to be more sustainable at home. Okay. Working from home and being sustainable in that regard, uh, completely boycotting, uh, things like Netflix, Disney, all of that stuff. So what happens is we, we can, shout on social media all day long. But if we are continually making small covenant and agreements with what we perceive to be the enemy and not right. doing some kind of fixing at home, then our shouting on social media makes I no know, difference. But, but sometimes a shouting on social media is one thing, but facts are another thing. And and, and I'll just give you a perfect example. Today, um, this, this really 
if you can't see it, this isn't a left or a right thing. This is a how does that happen thing. So Emmanuel Macron, the the president of France, was reelected. Now, this guy had a 36% approval rating, and he won re-election by double digits. So it doesn't take a genius to look at that and go, how does that happen? Nobody likes this guy, and he gets reelected. Hey, guess what? I have a lot of friends in Canada. And I remember when Trudeau was up for re-election. No, I'm like, is this good? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm an American. I, I hear a little bit, but you guys live there. How is he? Hate him. Hate him. Can't stand him. The worst. But the, anybody else? Most people I know don't like Trudeau. And these are coming from Canadians. Okay, well, here he goes. Hey, guess what? He wins elections. This is what's scary. Right now, the, the, the Prime Minister of, of uh, Australia... May 21st, they hold the elections in Australia. The prime minister has an even lower rating than Macron. Nobody likes him there. If he gets reelected, th- that should send a clear signal to somebody that, what's going on? But that's what I'm saying. It's biblical. Like the Bible told us these things would happen. You know, and not specifically that, but it, would, it told us we would be in, in turmoil. It told us yeah. that we would be in unrest. It told us that we're well, not going to ever feel at home. Perfect example. Turn, tune out politics and noise because, look, I can't tune it out, but it will eat me alive if 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 not because I so I can't control cost. it. Yeah, right. That's the okay. Cost. It'll eat you Should alive. we move on? <laughs> It'll eat we you didn't alive. really co- we didn't really do anything there. We just we just agreed to disagree. <laughs> I know, but if it's going to eat you alive, what good is our family and household? Oh gosh, it's a tough one. It's just a tough one for me. I've tried, I've tried. It's in my blood. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> let's get to the next one. Number three: read vor- voraciously and keep learning. Now, amen to this. Now, these are things you might say, well, we started off with stress because these are things that we can control. Even though I can't control completely tuning out politics, I certainly can, can do a little bit better. We can, we can learn how to speak better. We can learn how to write better. And this says we can continue to learn. So if you are continuing to learn, that is a good thing. Angelique, go. Um, look, if the the minute we stop expanding, God is expansive, and he and he everything moves forward in God's in God's universe. Like it is in forward motion. So if we stop learning and we don't put good input into our ears and into our eyes, we will by default receive the input that is not intentional. The politics, the negativity, the reactions to things, people, toxicity, all of that. So what happens is we by default will receive what the world wants us to have in terms of distraction versus intentional input from the things that we need to grow our inner man or inner woman from the Bible, from you know, Bible-based personal development from anything that is going to help expand our mind because God has given us, you know, in his likeness and image, the ability to expand ourselves. And if we don't, we shrink back. And by shrinking back, we will always be in the place of victim or someone facing continuous distractions. You know, yeah, you say victim or distraction. So we are victim to distraction. Here's the thing. When we talk about learning, and this particular article says, to remain competitive, you have to keep up with the developments in your field, amen, as well as the new trends that may impact your career. So this is talking specifically about your career. And constantly learning will help keep you ahead of the crowd. So it's tough because there's that saying, well, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, you certainly can. You know, it's how we learn. We are in information overwhelm. This is is just a... 
huge part of my new book coming out called The Pursuit. And a huge part is that we have entered the era where we assume that all information or more information is good for us. And what happens is we end up using not even a quarter of that information because we just simply can't. In other words, we have the ability to look up any book or anything right here on our computer. I can call up any book that's ever been written probably, and I can get it right here. Um, we are bombarded every day with people saying, hey, you got to check out this podcast. Hey, you got to check out this article. Hey, you got to read this. Hey, you got to watch this video. So we are in this amazing age that we can learn, but just because we can, does that mean we should? And I'm not saying specifically, specifically about learning. Learning is good, but what I'm saying is comprehension. Because you can feed stuff all day, but we don't have the ability to comprehend it. So we, you have to get into something in order to learn it. If it's, your, if it's your particular field of study or your job, then focus on that. You know, I just wrote this book, The Pursuit. It's about the biblical wisdom of the Bible. So guess what? I was in the Word. Now, that's something that's my hobby, my, ha- my, my passion anyway. But I was learning new things. And sometimes you have to read that a couple times before you comprehend it. Some people, like my daughter, are are freaks of nature where they can just kind of comprehend something immediately and regurgitate it back to you. We bought Ella a a saxophone for Christmas, and she learned how to play it herself in like a week. You know, I mean, not perfectly yet, but she was was doing things in a week that I was shocked. She, She could sit there and learn every book of the Bible and name them in order and do it that quick. That's a kind of weird thing that she has the capability to. I'm talking about everybody... In general, your ability to comprehend and use information. Think about this. Your ability to comprehend and use information. I just had a uh, a meeting this morning with a guy, uh, my friend Brad Campbell, who owns Campbell Comfort Systems, which is an AC uh, company, AC and heating company in Deptford, New Jersey. And Brad was bringing all these things to the table. And it was amazing. It was amazing how much he had learned. And, And what he did is, he picked an area of focus, and that's why his company is one of the best, because he continues to learn when other people would be like, oh, you know what, I just fixed AC and heating. He's learning things to keep up with the trends. His, his company has to be on the, on the cutting edge of SEO. His, they have to know about Google ads and all this stuff that you would think, well, really, I fix air conditions. No, if you're going to be competitive in this day and age, you have to keep learning. And, and unfortunately for some of them like us, babe, I mean, when we were in school, what kind of computer did you work on? I don't know. It had like a little green turtle on it. Well, bingo. Remember those old green, remember the green screens with the little cursor, the flashing cursor? Yeah. That wasn't that long ago. So we do have to keep learning. That's a big one. It was a lot longer ago than we think. Well, it was a lot longer ago for me than it was for you. But um, 35 years. remember the movie War Games with Matthew Broderick? That's what I think. When I think of old computers, if you watch some of these 80s movies, even the ones that were supposed to be about sophistication and computers, like, you remember War Games? I mean, I never saw it. Oh, uh, now we got to watch War Games tonight. You never saw War Games with Matthew Broderick? Probably like a part yeah. of it. All right. You're older than me. No, come on. War Games with Matthew Broderick was one of those ones that everybody should have seen. When did that movie come out? I don't know, 1985? Okay. You're older than me. Okay. Anyway, the computers back then in those movies were the little ones with the green screens, and and the servers took up like a whole entire room, right? And now we can fit those things on our our pinky. Um, Let's let's move on. (laughs) 
Are you following us? Are we going too crazy? People are listening going. Um, I thought this was going to be a quick one. Yeah, I thought this was going to be a quick one. Well, we're getting there. Okay, the second or the fourth thing you can do, I'm going in order here. The fourth thing you can do in order to relieve a little bit of stress and, and stay ahead of pace in this crazy world is exactly what your parents hopefully told you to do and your grandparents told you to do. Three little words. Save your money. Save your money. Forbes says, there will be times when you are in between jobs or you're earning less money than you did in the past. The mistake most people make is they live beyond their means. Mm -hmm. If they earn a dollar, they spend three, believing that there's always going to be the steady flow of cash. Right now, we don't want to stymie the economy. We don't want to get people worried about the economy, but you should be smart in this economy. Here's the thing. If, if everybody, what happened in the Great Depression is, first of all, the banks said they didn't have the money. But then everybody freaked out, and so they stopped spending money. And then it's like in the book we talk about it, it's the word dom. In, in the Jewish word dom and damen, um, it's the same word for, for blood and the same word for circulation of money because without money, the what happens? The economy stops circulating and the economy dies. Well, without blood, the body, in the body, the body st- it stops circulating and the body dies. So we have to be able to save money. Now, Angelique, you grew up with a, uh, a single mother, and we know the story, in a, in a, in a, in a one-bedroom apartment living with your mom. And we right now have had great times where the money's coming in and it's flowing. We've been through you know, dips as well. But your attitude about money is one that I love because you're not thrifty, but you're smart. So you got a little bit, your dad was a big spender, your dad was a gambler, and your mom on the other side couldn't be. Mm-hmm. So what's your advice? Um, I feel like you can be balling on a budget, you know? <laughs> like, and what I mean by that is uh, my goal is to feel, you know, to keep our lifestyle um, not only comfortable, but to not want for anything and to make sure that I n- never put our family in a position to where that we suffer the way that I suffered. And that wasn't because of my mom being irresponsible. It was because she was thrown into a really crummy situation and she had to climb herself out of. But um, when I think about this topic, I think about, you know, I just don't, I don't like overspending on things that don't make a difference. You know, we talk about things like this in the turned on method, um, you know, and how we make decisions and standards and literally simple standards uh, to run things through uh, would be is you know as simple as applying it to a decision like that. Like, does it really matter? Like, is this really going to matter? Like, buying something like this does is this really going to make a difference for our lives, or is it just impulsive? Are we we start to then accumulate more stuff, and the more stuff we accumulate, the less and less our environment can be one of peace. So, I try not to make purchases that don't don't elicit that kind of joy or bring you know, bring something that matters. Now, right now, like we've been living out of a suitcase for 14 months and literally I have leggings and sweatshirts. So the last couple of weeks, I've made it a point to pick up a couple of summer dresses because I'm like, I can't keep running around in sweatshirts and leggings because I don't feel good about myself. And it's hot as heck in the summer in, in Texas. So I make decisions like that, not frivolously, but on purpose. And the you same know who thing- loves the summer dresses? 
That um, that construction crew on that windy day when you were carrying the baby. Oh, stop. They love the summer dress. Now, on the other hand, <laughs> there's a painting in this room of Elvis that somehow made its way home with us from an antique shop. We got I'm not good, sure how that got here. We got a good deal on it. And here's the thing. I've been doing very good. So I'm cry, <laughs> trying to create a working space where I'm, it makes me happy. And this is going to go in. This is funny because it's going to bleed into the next one. The, the, we need more Elvis. Everyone the the next thing, a bit more Elvis I'm going to bridge this thing. The next thing is embrace change, meaning it says you can't stop the tide from rolling in. You have to be able to move with the flow and and create a new reality. So part of me is stuck in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, right? But part of me knows that I have to work in this generation. So I want to create a space and that's why that's why Elvis came in. Did I sell that? Did I sell that right with you guys? No. I wanted to create that space in my home where I feel comfortable and if if I can get a a room that I can feel like I can jam in, right? And that Elvis is part of that vibe, then maybe I'll be more creative. I'll believe it when I see it. Okay. But <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it. But I, I've you had a, that room. You've had that room as long as we've been here's married. The thing, but it's it's a work in progress, and it'll be with us, and it'll be handed off to our kids. Now, my old vices were sneakers, watches, right? I spent a lot of money on watches, and and that, that was frivolous, and it was, you know, and it was. What did it prove? Oh, I got another watch. Oh, oh, this one's more expensive than the last one. Or here's another pair of expensive shoes. And so I, I, at least I. So grew, what does the Elvis painting prove? I grew out of that. That's more of a vibe. <laughs> that that makes me feel good internally. I hang it on the wall. It's more of a vibe for the room, for the mid-century room. It's a vibe, uh, all right. A pair of a pair of fancy shoes or a pair of, uh, a fancy wristwatch is just kind of, it's materialistic. So if we want, what vibe em- do I get? What's the whatever vibe, vibe you want? I don't know. All right. It's up to you. I've never stopped your vibe. That's for sure. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> whatever it is you like. You like fancy furniture, maybe. I don't buy fancy furniture. So as we embrace this change, guys, um, there's always there's always a time to embrace the change. And I, I do kid myself, but let's face it: as, as much as we want, we can't go back in time. We can't revert to the '80s or '90s. We can't say, "Oh, it was much better then." And, and I have a habit of doing that. I'll be honest with you, but we can't just do that because we live in 2020, yeah. 2022. I mean, right? I'm not even saying the right year. Um, you're still, you're, I think we got all, we all got stuck in 2020. Well, let's talk about business. We talk about embracing change, right? What do we do embracing the change for our business? We were in a business that was kind of getting stuck and it was kind of getting old. And we saw a new business come along that was uh, forward thinking. Yeah. And, um, and we took a run at that. How was that? Was that tough? Hard as all get out. It was hard as all get out. But um, you, all, you have to not just make a decision for yourself and your family, although that's a top priority. You have to make it for the people that you're serving. And so when, when you're in a position to where things aren't serving not only you, but the people that you actually do it for, whether it's partners or customers, and, it, and it's antiquated and heavier and outdated or uh, you know people aren't winning, then you, you have to make a pivot. And if a pivot's not available, you create one. You know, if meaning like if the offer, if the opportunity is not there, you have to do something to create it. Now, we tried to create it while we were previously involved with our last company, uh, but we weren't in charge of that company. So there's only so much you can do to create if it's if it's not being reciprocated or implemented, then you have to then pivot out. And that was how we, part of what we, you know, used to make those decisions. The world has changed drastically yes. and quickly and people are moving, you know, 
in, in the book, I say some people move jobs, some people move cities, but some people didn't move at all. And, and, and you got to be careful. If you're not moving at all and you stay stagnant, you get stuck there. There was a story I, I referenced in the book about a guy who was uh, climbing Mount Everest. And um, he was when I was a sports reporter, he was telling me about this. And he said he saw the guy through his binoculars stop. And at that level, what's called the death zone. If you stop for too long, you could run out of oxygen and die because it's, it's like one-third of the oxygen at that altitude. And um, he was far enough where he couldn't do anything away because, remember, he's looking at him through binoculars. And um, he went back a couple hours later, you know, he was resting in his tent at a lower level and he looked up and the guy was there. He was frozen. So what a great metaphor for, you know, keep moving because you can have death of the spirit if you stay in the job too long. But this was literal death of the body because that person decided to rest. So, you know, you don't want to move just for the sake of moving. But I know a lot of people like, hey, it's time to move. You know, it's going to be hard. It's not easy. It wasn't easy for us, but I'll tell you what, just like a, a homeschool mom, right? Here's the thing. My heart goes out to homeschool moms and dads because if you're living in one of those crazy cities right now that's indoctrinating your kids and and you think to yourself, well, you know, I can't have this. Well, my thought is move. And that might seem a little insensitive at first. You know, oh, yeah, it's easy for you to say, right? I have this job and I have my family here. I get that but we're talking about your children being indoctrinated. So my my comeback is whatever it takes, by all means necessary. Right. Like I would do anything rather than have my children in a public school in, in New York right now. For sure. Okay? It, it would just, some things have to take importance. I don't know. I, I would do anything by any means necessary. I know it's easier said than done. Don't hate me for saying that if, if you're in that situation right now. But, you know, you can't look back and go, well, I just had a, didn't have a choice. You know, your mom was home with you every day, although she was working three jobs. She could have said, well, I didn't have a choice. I had to put Angelique in daycare or after-school care, no, but she, she didn't. She had a choice. She made it. She, she made it. She made it work. So your priorities. Right. So Which brings us to the next one, rugged individualism. This is six out of seven. Rugged individualism. And I love this because it says, this is uniquely American. We are self-reliant. Okay? Think, it says, think of the cowboys in Western movies. You know, I'm going to live it on my own terms. I'm going to get it done. We have to be rugged individuals by any means necessary. If you need to move, move. If you need to change job, change jobs. But get it done. You, yeah. we, we have to fight, and we have to be able to not say, hey, whatever you say. I'll go along with whatever you say. Right. As long as I'm safe. No. I, we have, rugged individualism takes us to, you know, the things that are just, again, back to the, the politics that we were talking about. If we don't have rugged individualism uh, as one of our ways to deal with that, then uh, then we're like, we just shout out with a bullhorn all the time. Yes, we want to make other people aware, but what are we doing about it? First, individually for our own families or for ourselves if you're single. Like if you don't, if you can't do something to be rising out of it on your own to create a solution out of the problem, then we don't have, what point is it to, what point do we have in arguing? What point do we have in being stressed about it? What point is there in, in spending time and agony over it? Yeah. Take your five minutes. I always say that take your five minutes, but in that five minutes, once you climb out of that little tiny dip that you should not stay in very long, what are you going to do about it? And that's, 
like literally, if you see me in the house, you know, cleaning, putting laundry away, most of the time I'm sorting through my head of the stuff that we're stressed about. And I'm like, all right, first things first, how do we get this environment, you know, in order? And then it helps me organize and prioritize my thoughts, the way I'm going to address things, the conversations that need to be had and anything that we need to do in order to maintain that or get out of it. You, you got to be rugged. Rugged. You got to cowboy up. You have to cowboy up, sir. <laughs> I'm a cowgirl. I do cowgirl. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Is that, is that your pronoun, cowgirl? That's my pronoun. Okay, yeah. Got to make sure we pay attention to those, right? Okay, I saved the best one for last. Actually, I went out of I went out of order on purpose because I wanted to save number. This is actually number two if you're looking at the article, but I saved it for last because I wanted to end with a with my biggest, most enthusiastic bang that I could find. And this one it gets me. It's kind of like and it, and it piggies piggybacks off that cowboy up that that kind of ruggedness. Number two was which is actually number seven right now, but. It's develop a thick, impenetrable skin. Be thick-skinned. We are in and will continue to be in a time of rapid change. And I say this all the time, and this is what it reiterates, this maybe because I identify with this so much. The days of working at one company for an entire duration of our career is over. Corporate pensions, those are a thing of the past. We will need to rely upon ourselves. We will need to invent and reinvent ourselves over and over again. Okay? We need to live longer, work longer, and be stronger than ever before. So we're going to switch jobs. We're going to get laid off. We're going to get part-time gigs. We're going to get stressed out. We're going to get frustrated. There's going to be times when the money's going to be coming in. There's going to be times when the money's going to be scarce. Okay? We want to be able to have thick skinned and this particular article says those careers will you'll switch jobs you'll get laid off if you are timid if you are afraid the world will devour you whoa nobody wants to hear this if you are timid if you are afraid the world will devour you sometimes it's when your back is against the wall when you find out what you are made of. I don't care if you cry. I don't care if you punch a wall. I don't care if you get depressed, if you have a night where you can't sleep. I don't care if you mope for a little while. Get your ass back up and let's get going. Get thick-skinned. That's a message to everybody out there that's listening, and it's a message I'm looking at myself off the reflection in the glass right now, and it's a message I've had to tell to myself a lot lately, and it's a message I tell to myself again as I tell to you. We are not above this. We don't have it all figured out. We are with you. The Turned On Podcast with Angelique and myself is two people that are just like you, two people that are, are struggling, two people that are, are just more uh, concerned about where the future's going with our children, and we have to be resilient. And I get fired up about this. As you can see, it's our last particular segment here because sometimes it's just you wonder what you're going to do. Mom or dad isn't there to save you. The government's not going to be there to save you. And your emotions are your emotions. You can't get rid of them. If it's a divorce, if, if, it's, if it's physical pain, if it's the job, all these big things, you're going to go through the emotions. 
You might go through several. You might cry and then get angry and then get frustrated and then get resentful and then get jealous and then get spiteful and then cry again. I don't care. I don't know what you're going to do. We've been through it. Angelique's been through it. We had a hole. Um, we had a hole in our wall from the time she punched our wall in our Why old are house. You saying that? I didn't punch a hole. <laughs> Out in of the wall. frustration that time when your mom was sick. Her, I was. Her, like, oh, you were sick. There's nothing wrong with that. You didn't put a hole in the wall. You put a dent in the wall. Okay. <laughs> she doesn't want to talk about putting a dent in the wall. She's shaking her head at me right now. Babe, I'm, what I'm trying to say is we're creatures of emotion. It's okay. No one's going to judge you for that. I'm not talking about being judged, but you bring it up all the time. Well, I mean, every time I walked out the door, I saw a dent there. kind of reminded me of that time you got upset. We don't edit this podcast either. We've never edited one bit of this podcast. We get upset. We are creatures of emotion. When big life happenings occur, when somebody gets sick, when you get hurt or sick, when your company folds, um, when somebody you know stabs you in the back, or when you, you look at the your school board and they're doing crazy things, when the inflation comes up, look, this is tough. We have to develop thick skin. And Ange, I, I respect you for that. <laughs> which, which part? You respect me for... You're, you're one of the most emotion. resilient people I've ever met, you know? You're one of the most resilient people, probably the most resilient I've ever met. You can speak to that. I mean, I, look, I'm resilient because I have to be. You know, I, I don't, I think that's where every, that's part of what having thick skin is, is I always had to. You know, when my parents split up and my mom was alone, she had no one to be her rock except for me at the age of seven. So at the age of seven, I had to learn resilience. Like I had to be the one. I And I'm emotional about it now because it's just, it's in my DNA. I feel like that today. I feel like that every single day of my life. Like I have to do it. I have to take care of myself. I have to help th- these kids. I have to make sure our house is in order. I have to make sure our business is in order. I have to make sure this family is, you know, on fire for God. Like we have to take leadership roles in our own lives. And that's where the thick skin comes in. Like you just can't, you just, it's not that I don't care is I can't care. I don't have time to, because I had to be resilient. You got to power through. I'm not going to sit around and be a victim. I never was not my entire life. I'm not going to start now at the age of 43 when I have three kids. I'm not, not when the world is where it is. Like we don't have time to care. You can't. You have to care enough about your family and enough about yourself and enough about how you steward the life that you have been given to steward. Not everyone else's crap, your crap. So that resiliency comes from a design, a design that you have to steward. None of this stuff, you know, not the stuff where I get to. I hear all that stuff in the new age personal, but yeah, there's a lot of things we get to do, but you know what? There's other things that you have to do. And that's, that comes from biblical, biblical doctrine. There are things that we have to steward, that we have to hold true, that we have to stand on, that we have to power through. That's because God gave us that spirit of perseverance. That's the resilience. It's not, it's not a choice anymore. It's a have to. And if you have that inside of you, if you understand what you're fighting for and the oneness you're fighting for it with, then 
then there's no time to think. There's no time to wallow. There's no time to, to play victim. There's, there's no time. You got to survive. And you got to do it because it's going to cost your whole family or an entire generation that comes after you based upon the decisions that you make today and the moves that you make today. So you got to be the one. You know, that's not easy, an easy thing to do. And when that's the emotion that we're missing here. I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad you got fired up. I'm glad that struck a chord with you because, you know, sometimes nothing gets, nothing really gets inspired until people get upset. Like you might've been sitting here, if you're here and this is the 48th minute, you might've said, you know, it's pretty good. And then all of a sudden you hear that and you're like, damn, I needed that. You know, that's the kind of stuff we need to bring to the table. Um, the Forbes article says, and listen closely. I want you to listen to this last part as we wrap up. I told you it said, if you are timid and afraid, the world will devour you. Remember that part. If you are timid and afraid, the world will devour you. But what comes next is we're going to leave off on. It says, you will need to teach yourself to be strong. You will need to teach yourself to be unafraid. And you will need to teach yourself to not be intimidated by what the future brings. I'm going to print that one out. I'm going to put it on my wall this week. Well, you know, the, the final scripture that can go with that, when you talk about not being timid or not being afraid, is also to be sober-minded and to be watchful. Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And, you know, we were talking about this with a friend of ours recently, and he said the devil is a roaring lion because... He cannot instill fear without a roar. Fear comes from the roar. Lions don't outrun cheetahs. Lions don't outrun gazelles, but they can make them freeze long enough through instilling fear with a roar. So be sober-minded and watchful. Doesn't mean that you're not going to have moments of fear but if you're sober-minded and watchful, the roaring lion doesn't stand a chance. He doesn't stand a chance. Hope that turned you on today. <laughs>